0: you can turn to Genesis chapter 27. We're continuing in our Genesis series. Now, we just witnessed, of course, something to celebrate, something wonderful, because our sister Dana has been given the blessing of Christ himself. And that's a remarkable story to see, isn't it? We're privileged to participate in that. But Dana's story didn't just start this year or 20 years ago. It started all the way back in Genesis 2. Because that's where the story of our salvation starts. That's where God first began to tell us this story. It's where God starts to give us this plan uh, to give us the blessing of salvation. That's what we're talking about today, the blessing of salvation. And from the third chapter of Genesis on, we see that this whole plan centers around one man. Genesis 3.15 calls him the offspring or the seed of the woman. There's one man. All of our hope is in one man. All of our blessing comes from one man. The seed of the woman who crushes the serpent's head, who saves this world from everything that's wrong with it. That was the promise to Eve one of your sons. So when Eve has two sons, the natural question is, which one is it? Is it Cain or is it Abel? God chose the youngest son's line, not even Abel, he was killed, but Seth, Abel's youngest brother, to restore all things, to be this line of promise. And generation through generation, God keeps his word and chooses a family line to bless with this promise. So from Adam to Seth and from Seth down the road to Noah, and from Noah to Shem, and Shem down several generations to Abraham, from Abraham to Isaac, and now we're in the story of the blessing going from Isaac to Jacob. So um, we're going to read from verse 1 through verse 28 in just a moment, but I just want us to get our heads around this idea that because we're talking about the salvation of the world coming through one man, and Genesis is the story of that promise and that blessing from generation to generation on through the ages, pointing forward to Christ, then this is our story. And we find ourselves in here too. We find our hope of blessing here as well. So let's read the first part of the text, Genesis 27, verses 1 to 28. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. He said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare uh, from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves and you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go, bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob." So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, "Uh, Because the Lord your God granted me success. And of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine, let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last week, when we held up chapter 25, the story of Jacob and Esau, we held it up to the gospel, and we saw that Jesus is the better Esau, right? The nobler, older brother who willingly loses it all so that we, the younger, can receive the birthright. That's what we saw last week. Now this week, we're going to hold up this chapter, 27, alongside the gospel and find that we stand in the place of Jacob. As a side note, there are a thousand amazing things that we could examine in the text today, but we are finite and you will want to eat lunch at some point today. And so we're, look, I'm eager to get to Jesus. We're just going to do that. We're not unapologetic about this. Jesus said this whole book points to him. That's what it's here for. He's not a sideshow in the Bible. So we are going to look at the story and talk about Jesus just as a heads up. Now, last week we talked about the father's love and how we all long for the Father's love and need to hear it, and how we hear it in the gospel, that this is how God loves the world. This week, we're going to look at the Father's blessing. The Father's blessing. Three simple points. What is the blessing? How do we get it? And how can we keep it? What's the blessing? How do we get it? How can we keep it? So, point number one. What is the blessing? What is the blessing? We use the word blessing or bless all the time here, right? Now, I moved from Washington State in 2015 and had never heard the word blessed so many times in my life as moving to Tennessee. And we say it to mean, uh, you know, I was really blessed when you brought me dinner the other night or, you know, bless her heart or bless his heart or something like that, right? (laughs) Right. But biblical blessing, blessing in Genesis, is something way more robust, way more powerful and important. It's neither warm feelings nor is it well-wishings. Biblical blessing is a word with authority, which powerfully accomplishes its purpose for the good of the person being blessed. A word of authority which does something for good. Not a warm feeling, not a well-wishing. So in Genesis 1, God blessed Adam and Eve and commanded them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And in the blessing, by blessing them, gave them powerfully all they need to do that. It was as good as done because God blessed them. If God had just commanded them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion, then they'd be on the hook. Like, you have to rally your resources to try to go figure out this job. But he blessed them and commanded them, which means God put himself on the hook for that. God will see it through. It's a word with authority which powerfully accomplishes its purposes for good. A biblical blessing is a thing of power. So let's think about the blessing specifically that now Isaac gives to Jacob. Even though Jacob's disguised as Esau, his brother, we'll see when we read the, the rest of the chapter in a few minutes, that even though he's deceive, deceiving his father, he still receives that blessing. He really does. So what does Jacob actually get in the blessing? What does the blessing accomplish for him? Or what will it accomplish? Well, three things, basically. First, in the blessing, he receives the promise of Abundance. And you can look down in in verses 27 through 29 to see what I'm talking about. He says, plenty of grain and wine. He's promising him abundance. Second, he promises him dominion. Isaac says, let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. So abundance and dominion. And lastly, not only is Jacob made the heir to Isaac's estate and his things, He's also made the heir to Abraham's promise, because that phrase might sound familiar to you, cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. That's shorthand for all that God promised Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant. The promise of Abraham that this is the family through whom salvation will come to the world is being passed on to Jacob. And what's crazy is all of those three things are somewhat accomplished in Jacob's long life. And as we finish the Genesis series over the next, probably next year, with breaks here and there, uh, we will see this. We will see by the end of Genesis, Jacob has abundance. He's at his leisure in the land of Goshen at the end of the story. And his sons are feasting on grain and wine. He's got abundance. We'll see that he has dominion, right? The text says nations will bow down to you. The pharaoh of Egypt literally kneels before uh, Jacob to be blessed by him. Nations serve him. Nations will bow to him. And he does carry on the line of Abraham with the promise and the blessing going to his son Judah, one of his 12 sons, who is, of course, the ancestor of Jesus. Jesus. So those three things are accomplished in Jacob's life, but they are accomplished. I told you we're going to jump straight to Jesus. They are accomplished more profoundly and more fully in Jesus, to whom they were always pointing in the first place. Abundance, dominion, and this promise, this salvation. Jesus is the one with the abundance of heaven. Think about his family. You know, be fruitful and multiply. Jesus' family has been growing exponentially for 2,000 years now exploding. We think the church is in trouble. The church is not in trouble. The church is growing. Jesus is faithful to his people. And people, he's picking family members from the places we never would have imagined. His family is abundant. Jesus has abundance. Jesus is the one blessed with dominion. It's to his name that every knee will bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Talk about being Lord among his brothers. The abundance and the dominion all are culminated in Jesus. And Jesus is the one to whom Abraham's promise always pointed. He is the seed of the woman who crushed the serpent's head. He is the savior of the world. And when you and I trust in Jesus and believe that he is who he says he is and did what he said he did, then he gives you a blessing too. He blesses you. You guys know the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Uh, Jesus speaks his blessing to all who belong to him by faith. Now, we often think about it. We go to the Beatitudes. We say, um, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so we think of it in these little slices of like this, that one is for people who mourn, and this one is for people who are meek, and this one is, they are all for the kingdom. That is a sevenfold blessing of what you and I have in Christ. So let me just read to you the blessing promises that he gives in Matthew 5. This is what is yours. Seven, the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. You will be comforted. You will inherit the earth. You will be satisfied. You will receive mercy. You will see God, and you will be called sons of God. That's a remarkable inheritance. That's a great blessing. I mean, what is it that you deeply long for? What is it that you strive for, that you're churning and burning up inside for in this world that isn't addressed in that list more fully than you could imagine? Do you struggle with wanting stuff? Sometimes I do. In Christ, you will inherit the earth. Do you struggle with depression? You will be comforted. Do you struggle with appetite, with lust? You will be satisfied. What is it you want that Jesus doesn't give you more fully in himself? That's the blessing. And that should lead us to say, that sounds great. How do I get that? Right? Glad you asked. That leads us to point number two. (laughs) Point number two is how do we get it? How do we get it? Here's how we get that remarkable blessing. Summed up in one of my favorite phrases. It's just four little words. Him instead of me. That's what Esau said, isn't it? We're going to read in in a few minutes. (laughs) Esau comes with the game and finds that his brother's already been there, dressed up as him, and he goes, what? Him instead of me? And he wept. Now, remember, though, that I said Jesus is the better, the truer, the nobler Esau, And we stand in the place of who in this story? Jacob. Here's what I mean by that. Jacob gets the blessing by dressing up as his older brother. So do we. Galatians 3, Paul says this, In Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Put on Christ. Do you know what it means to put on Christ? Would it help if I told you that Jacob put on Esau? Because all of us in this room, without exception, we have all failed to live up to our own moral standards, right? Like, the Bible aside... If we got to make the rules, we still wouldn't meet our own rules, let alone the high impeccable standards of a holy and pure God. Because of that, in the presence of God, in the eyes of God, it's as if we are not dressed in Sunday clothes but in filthy rags. That's what we bring to the table. Nothing. Not, not just the absence of good things, but actually we bring dirt and sin and wickedness to God. We're unfit for the presence of God in and of ourselves. So our nobler, older brother, the one who actually deserves the Father's blessing, the one to whom it rightly belongs, he takes off his royal, glorious robes, and he takes your filthy rags and puts them on himself. And then it's like he takes this beautiful Son of God robe and drapes it over your shoulders, and you're dressed in your older brother's clothes, dressed in his righteousness. But then Jesus goes further, and he takes you by the hand, and he leads you right to the Father. And he says, Father, would you bless her? Would you give the blessing to him instead of me? We must be dressed in our older brother's clothes to receive the blessing in the righteousness of Christ, him being our sin, wearing our unrighteousness in the presence of the Father and receiving the justice, the penalty that we deserve. That's how we get it. He takes the wrath we deserve and he gives you and I the blessing he deserves. Him instead of me him instead of me now that might sound very high and theological i don't know maybe too abstract so let's think back to galatians 3 for just a moment Um, let's read it again it says in christ jesus you are all sons of god through faith through faith the blessing is to be a son of god you become a son of god you receive the blessing the inheritance the, the kingdom of heaven the earth The right, like all those things that Jesus listed off. But who gets to be a son of God? It's only those who are in Christ. Okay, how do you get in Christ? Through faith. Through faith. The Bible is a very complicated collection of books. Some of you will know this. Um, There's 66 of them. A lot of genres, they're written in ancient languages right? This is like, sometimes I think, what am I doing? This is like for smart scholars, right? Not people like me, but receiving the Father's blessing is as simple as boiled potatoes. Seriously. You just believe. You just believe in Jesus. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You just have to trust Jesus. That's it. Here's what it looks like. It looks like knowing, okay, I can't earn my salvation. I can't work hard enough or be good enough to please the Father, okay? And then you have to see, well, Jesus did deserve it. He was perfect, but he gave it for me, him instead of me. And then you just say, Jesus, would you do that for me? That's it. That's faith. Faith is resting all of your trust, in Jesus. Faith is putting your allegiance with Jesus. I'm a Jesus person now. I am in Christ now. It's leaning on him with all your weight. Faith is as simple as sitting on a chair. All of you right now, except for Nathan who's standing, (laughs) are not holding yourself up with your own two feet. Something else has your whole weight. Faith. That's it saying to Jesus, I'm no longer trying to stand on my own. You've got to hold me up. Jesus, I've got no strength. I can't stand in your presence, so I'm putting all my weight on you. And if you've done that with Jesus, then that blessing is yours. He bought it for you. He bought it for you with the most costly, precious, and valuable thing in this universe, which is the blood of the Son of God. And then you can say with wonder, him instead of me. Praise God. So that's what the blessing is. That's how you get the blessing. But what good is it if we can mess it up? I wonder how many of us are afraid of out-sinning the grace of God. This is a real question. We all know that faith is more than just about what we think. Right? Faith is living, and it, it's something we have to do. We put our belief into action. You can say, I believe that chair will hold my weight, but faith sits in the chair. Right? So, what if I believed in Jesus, but then I didn't live like it? What then? What if I've made some horrible mistakes? And I have. What if I've done some awful things? And I have. What if I've thought wicked thoughts? I have. What then? How secure is my blessing? How secure is your blessing? These are very real and very serious questions, and I don't want to give you cheap answers. I want to give you biblical answers. So let's think about the security of our blessing from the second part of this text. This is, again, Genesis 27. We're going to read from verses 30 to 38. It's up on your screen, or you can follow along with your Bibles. All right, starting in verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, oh, I'm your son. I'm your firstborn, Isaac. Uh, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I have made him Lord over you. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Now uh, Remember what the definition we learned of blessing a word with authority which powerfully accomplishes his purpose for good, of the person being blessed. In other words, because the blessing Isaac gives is done with the Lord's authority and because it really does something, then the blessing that Jacob got was irrevocable. No takebacks. It can't be undone. Isaac can't say, "Hold on, Jacob, come on back here. You tricked me." So never mind. I'm going to bless Esau and Undo. He can't do that. His word of blessing went out with authority and power, and what's done is done. Remember the book of Esther? Ahasuerus is tricked into creating a horrible edict, a word from the king that goes out that all the Jews will be plundered and killed. And then, of course, through Esther's um, courage, comes to find that uh, and he's made a terrible mistake, and Haman has tricked him. Now, what does Ahasuerus do? Does he say, oh, I'll take it back. I'll take back the edict that I sent out. No, he knows a word with authority must be able to stand on its own feet. He can't undo the word of the king. Even the king can't. This blessing is like that. It is irrevocable. There are no takebacks for Jacob and for Isaac. How much more then are there no takebacks with the blessing of Jesus? Is the blessing Jesus has to offer you and I, is it less than what Jacob received? Certainly not. Nothing's less with Jesus. He's the fulfillment of all the things He's not the shadow, he's the substance. This father's eyes, Isaac's eyes were dim. He couldn't see clearly. But even then, his word of blessing is final. Your father in heaven, his eyes are wide open. How much more final is his word? He is not deceived about you. He knows you're dressed in your older brother's robes. And he loves the older brother all the more for it and accepts you warmly and willingly because of it. His eyes are wide open and his word is just as final. So let me put it this way. I think this maps onto both Isaac and the gospel. The father sent out his word. And his word was powerful. And his word accomplished what it set out to do. Did he not? Did the word of God not cry out from the cross, it is finished? Can you unfinish it? I will never tire of saying that you cannot out-sin the mercy of God. You cannot. You're not strong enough. Paul says, it's by grace that you have been saved. By grace, it was a gift, not a purchase. Right? So you can't take the receipt back and get a refund. It was given to you. There's no debt with a gift. You don't owe him anything. He's not going to come knock on your door and say, you haven't paid up, so I'm taking it back. That's not going to happen with Jesus. Now, That brings me to an illustration, a very real illustration. Um, One or two weeks ago, Beck and I get a letter in the mail from Bank of America uh, saying, thank you for financing your new car with us. We appreciate this new $40,000 loan. Now, I do not bank with Bank of America, and I did definitely not get a new car, right? So someone has posed as me and got a car in my name and on my credit. That's what happened still a little mad. It's fine. <laughs> it's due to my credit, not theirs. So what's going to happen with that? Well, I, you know, I called the bank, of course, and, and I said they didn't have my permission. That wasn't me. And they, they will eventually, the bank will go, if they can find him, knock on the door and take back the car. They will repossess that car, a repo. He won't get to keep it. But if I had taken a friend to the car dealership, And I used my credit and my money and my name to buy a car, and then I deeded it over to him. The bank will never come knocking on his door. The car won't get repoed because it's been willingly paid for on the basis of someone else's credit. So if your salvation and your blessing is earned on your credit and in your name, If you don't have enough in your account, you'll get repoed, right? But if the blessing is received in the credit and in the name of Jesus, you get to keep it. Some of you may have been running some kind of identity fraud with Jesus for a long time, trying to get the blessing and the salvation your way, but not receiving it by faith. It's time now to be real with yourself. It's time to admit that your clothes aren't going to cut it. You need Jesus. You need Jesus's righteousness. Whether or not you've received, or if you've never received Jesus, let me put it that way, or if you're coming back to Jesus after a long time, Or if you woke up today feeling like barely a Christian. Or if you've been walking with the Lord, you know, all the days of your life. This is for all of us. The Christian life is just a series of new beginnings. I heard Alistair Begg say this morning, he's right. All of us need to admit that our clothes won't cut it that we're unfit to stand in the presence of God on our own, and we need our older brother to vouch for us with his name, to cover us in his righteousness, to pay for our sins and give us his righteousness, and then that's how we get the blessing. So we're going to just go to Jesus together and admit that again. Maybe some of you for the first time. Don't wait, please. If you've been thinking, that's a prayer I need to pray, uh, and I, I need to do business with Jesus, I know, but kind of waiting to get like motivated to get over that. Wait, no, don't wait. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today is the day. Let's take this time of prayer to prepare our hearts and to ask Jesus to stand in our place and have mercy on us and to bless us, let's pray.